Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is June the 9th, 2023. I'm so happy you could join me. I'm happy to join you. And let me start out by reminding everybody that this uh, week saw the 80th anniversary of D-Day. If you look at my website or or the um, material that I put up on the Michael Cutler Hour on Blog Talk Radio, I gave a brief thumbnail description of what D-Day entailed, Operation Overlord. The architect was President Dwight Eisenhower, a man uh, who I respect tremendously. I would argue he was one of our greatest generals, one of our greatest presidents. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm a lifelong Democrat. Eisenhower was a Republican, and I could care less. We need to get away from this idea about You know, one party over the other, one party good, the other party bad. They all stink. I come to call them the Republicrats, okay? Uh, And and again, I believe I've read this before, but I almost feel compelled to begin every one of my programs uh, by reminding everybody about what George Washington had to say when he delivered his farewell address on Saturday, September the 17th, 1796. And this is what President Washington said. However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends, they are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, drawing afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. Just think about the wisdom of his incredible insight, um, boy, he must have had a crystal ball. He must have had a crystal ball. Uh, Truly incredible. And today we've gotten to the point so far away from where it was when President Eisenhower was president. In fact, when Eisenhower left office, uh, two things stand out in my mind about what he warned us about or what he stated. I won't say warned us about. The first thing that was amazing was he thanked the politicians from both parties for working cooperatively to do what was in the best interest of America. Uh, Imagine that. Imagine that. Democrats and Republicans working together to do what was in the best interest of we the people and the United States of America. This was right after the war. We saw the suffering, the cost in human life, the upheavals around the world, the fact that we... Uh, thankfully defeated the Nazis, right? 
In fact, on D-Day, more than 9,000 Allied soldiers were either killed or wounded. 9,000. Over 160,000 Allied troops landed at the beach. I mean, the numbers were staggering. It was the biggest maritime operation coordinated with airstrikes. Unbelievable. Eisenhower was the architect. And Eisenhower actually prepared a speech where if it had failed, he would have taken full responsibility because that's what real men, real adults, real women, uh, real leaders do. You want to take a bow when you succeed, that's great, but be prepared to accept defeat uh, and take responsibility, and he did. In fact, in the rehearsal for D-Day, lots of soldiers were killed, and it, it pained him tremendously, and he took full responsibility. When was the last time you heard Joe Biden or any of the other so-called political leaders take responsibility for anything? Everyone likes to get into a finger-pointing contest. He did it. She did it. It did it. They did it. Don't look at me. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was in the bathroom. They all have a BS excuse. I raised my children to believe that excuses are the opposite of success. When we're successful, we don't need an excuse. And if you need an excuse, you're screwed up. It's just that simple. And my parents taught me that as well. And that seems to be all that we get from both parties are excuses and nonsense. And look at the mess that we are in. You know, I, um, it, it just staggers my mind to think of where we are today, to think of how easily the American people have been duped. We have news for conservatives, news for liberals. How are these issues liberal or conservative? How is border security a conservative issue? You know, it's remarkable because initially it was the Democrats that were strongest on border security. That was when they actually supported the average working man and woman and their families. They knew that if you flooded America with lots of foreign workers, you would drive down wages and destroy jobs for Americans. Bernie Sanders in 2006, thereabouts, stood with the AFL CIO and said that anybody who intentionally hires illegal aliens should be prosecuted because they're destroying jobs and wages for Americans. And that was the position of the Democrats. And then the Democrats lost their minds. Bernie Sanders was on with Bill Maher a couple of months back. And Bill Maher said, you know, it used to be the Democrat Party was viewed by Americans pretty much as the party that represented working Americans, while the Republicans uh, seemed to represent the business owners. And I've often made that point. And then Bill Maher asked Bernie Sanders, how is it that it doesn't seem to be the case anymore? And it was interesting because Bernie Sanders uh, assessment matches my own. And what he said to Bill Maher was, well, since Citizens United was decided by the Supreme Court, unlimited amounts of money could be pumped into political campaigns. And the Democrats looked at all that money that the Republicans were getting and said, you know what? We need to get that money too. So they went to the same people that were bribing. Did I say bribing? I get these words so confused. Forgive me. I must be having a Biden moment. So the campaign contributions, I don't know why I call them bribes. Oh, silly me. So they want those massive campaign contributions that the Republicans were getting. But there were strings attached. When an average American sends off a check for 50 or or $100 to a political candidate, they're not doing it because they're expecting anything in return. They like the candidate, maybe the position he or she takes, and says, you know what, I'm going to support that person for that office. 
and they write a check for 50 bucks, 100 bucks. No one's going to call them up and say, would you like a meeting with the president? But when corporate leaders send tens of thousands of dollars, you better believe that the politicians will provide them with access and be more willing to listen to what they want. In effect, the politician then becomes the employee of the person writing the check. It's an employer-employer relationship. And it was very interesting to hear Bernie Sanders make that point. He didn't call it an employee-employee relationship, but it is. Let's be blunt. You want the money? This is what you're going to have to do for it. You don't deliver? I don't give you money. Isn't that an employer-employee relationship? So suddenly, the Democrats told the average American worker and his or her family, go to hell. We don't care about you. We're going to take the money from the people that want to flood America with cheap foreign labor. Maybe the people that want to flood America with narcotics. Why is it that the Republicans, when they controlled both houses, when President Trump was initially elected, refused to provide President Trump with the money to secure the Mexican border? Why? There's nothing anti-immigrant. In fact, it's pro-immigrant, I would argue, to put up the wall and enforce the immigration laws. Not that the wall by itself is the solution. It's not. This is the most ridiculous thing. And I I like using analogies. And a long time ago, I said that a wall on the Mexican border is the equivalent of a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly by the wing, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. But the point is we know that drugs and people were flowing across that dangerous border, and the idea to the wall was to make it more difficult for aliens and contraband to get into the United States by circumventing the inspections process at ports of entry. Very simple, right? We lock our doors and windows, and we only want people to come through our front door when they knock on the door and we let them in so we know who we're letting into our home. Same thing with ports of entry. That's like America's front door. But then, of course, you heard the bogus argument. Oh, are you kidding? Build a wall? Ha, we need technology. Sure. Technology means contracts to corporations that are making campaign contributions. It's not to say that technology isn't helpful, but at the end of the day, it's Border Patrol agents making arrests that deters and stops people from sneaking past the inspections process. Of course, now the Border Patrol doesn't do that anymore. They're concierge service. And if you want to talk about D-Day, talk about Operation Fortitude, the Calais deception, because what Eisenhower understood was that the Germans – needed to be distracted into believing that we were coming from Calais, not Normandy. By dividing their resources, we were able to succeed. Had we not done that, they probably would have repelled the invasion of our soldiers, the Allies, and and we would have lost. And we would have lost. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Mexican border is far from a deception. It's a big, 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 big problem. In fact, last week or two weeks ago, I talked about a Hezbollah sleeper agent who came to the United States legally, having had training overseas, and was ultimately convicted, and by the way, only sentenced to 12 years in jail. This guy committed a whole slew of crimes, and let's remember, he came here with what intention? To scope out places to kill thousands of Americans, right? He was working as an IT professional in New Jersey, But he repeatedly went back to the Middle East. He had initially entered the United States on a Lebanese passport. And the Justice Department, even under Trump, identified him as New Jersey man. New Jersey man. He was a naturalized citizen because he lied about his background. He lied about his affiliation with terrorist groups. 
he got citizenship by committing fraud. And, of course, now Mayork is the head of citizenship and immigration. He was the head of immigration, uh, citizenship and immigration services. Now the head of Homeland Security has said, we have no interest in pursuing investigations into immigration fraud. Of course not. The only thing that the administration wants to do is go after Americans if they file a tax return wrong. That's why they're hiring all these IRS agents. And, I, and I'm really concerned about selective enforcement, and we'll get to that momentarily. But immigration fraud was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists, and not just on 9-11. And, in fact, the first hearing that I participated in was back on May 20th, 1997, and the topic was immigration fraud and visa fraud because of the 93 terror attacks in the United States at the CIA and the first World Trade Center bombing. So everyone knows this is the way the terrorists get into the country, and they hide in plain sight by getting a green card, getting U.S. citizenship, and that's how you defeat a border wall. Get an immigration document that permits you to walk into a port of entry and be greeted with open arms, welcome home, we're glad you're here. They don't need a wall, they don't need a ladder to climb the wall, they simply need a magic card to walk into a port of entry. And now that system that has zero integrity and lacks the resources is the same one that we're hearing from both parties and the journalists, so-called, we need to have a massive amnesty program to use the same system that gave this terrorist sleeper agent, who, by the way, while he was doing all this, and he was here for 20 years, went overseas to try to kill an Israeli spy. He didn't succeed. But this guy is a stone-cold terrorist. And, and what enabled him to come here, after all the training that he got, and after all the travel, and if you look at the news release, he's used multiple names, probably the U.S. passport on a different name from his Lebanese passport, traveling around the world in furtherance of Hezbollah, in furtherance of terrorist activities. And so now you've got people saying, oh, great, let's use that screwed-up system <clears throat> to give tens of millions of people who snuck into the country legal status, even though there'll be zero interviews, zero field investigations, because that's what the Chamber of Commerce wants, that's what the American Immigration Lawyers Association wants, that's what these NGOs, these non-government organizations that laughably refer to themselves as nonprofits, even as they roll in hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts, the system could not be more corrupt, and our politicians could not care less about the average American. Americans who die because of crime and everything else, we're just collateral damage. We're just speed bumps along the way. Speed bumps along the way. Who cares about them? They don't matter. Right? That's where we are today. That's exactly where we are. So, you know, when you hear Antifa, where's the anti-fascists? And the lunatic left, where's the anti-fascists? Baloney, they are the fascists. Ladies and gentlemen, the true anti-fascists were those incredible soldiers who won the Second World War, the Allied troops, many of whom did not come home, and some of whom came home in terrible shape, their lives forever altered and not for the better. They were the anti-fascists. They're the ones to whom we are indebted. They were the greatest generation, and we stand on the precipice of, God forbid, becoming the last generation, because the corruption is that pervasive. And then we get to Donald Trump. And let me tell you, right off the bat, I'm not one of those people who think that everything Donald Trump did was peachy keen and fabulous and wonderful. 
Uh, I've jokingly talked about a, a couple of my friends who I'm convinced that if Donald Trump came to their home and relieved themselves on, on their dining room table, it's a horrible image, but just, you know, bear with me. Uh, they'd get it laminated and call it a centerpiece because this guy can do no wrong in their world. And then you've got people with Trump derangement syndrome. Trump can do no right. I'm kind of in the middle. I liked a lot of his policies, didn't agree with him on other issues, didn't like uh, his approach, certainly wasn't happy with what he did to Jeff Sessions, and we could have that conversation another day. And as Americans, we should feel free to be able to have any discussion we want. This cancel culture that we attribute to the radical left proves that they're not liberals. I was raised to be a liberal. I raised my kids to be liberals. Liberals believe that the First Amendment and freedom of speech is sacrosanct and you don't mess with it. Everybody and anybody has an absolute right to stand up and voice their opinions in security and safety unless they're calling for violence or they're calling for the the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater. Short of that, and by the way, if people have ridiculous viewpoints, I want them to feel free to express those viewpoints because then we know who they are, don't we? Alan Dershowitz made that statement. I'm a big Dershowitz fan. But I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine back on February the 10th, 2021, um, and the title of my article was Donald Trump was America's whistleblower-in-chief. A whistleblower is somebody who's in the position from the inside to tell you when there's corruption, to tell you when something is wrong. Think about that. Wasn't that his case? Wasn't that the case of Donald Trump? And let me tell you, he scares the hell out of the politicians from both parties. This is a guy who doesn't need money. Today, you know when someone's a serious candidate for elected office, how? What do you hear right away? Charlie Smith is running for governor, and we know he's serious because he's amassed a war chest of $28.3 million. That's it. What does he stand for? Who knows? But he's got $23 million or 20, whatever the number was I gave you. You know, this is, I'm making that number up, but you get the point. You measure the seriousness of a candidate by the amount of money, the amount of bribes, perhaps, that he or she has been able to amass. That's the measure of how serious the candidate is. And Trump was in the position to say, I don't need your money. Well, wait a moment. If we're not giving him money, how do we get access? How do we influence the decisions that he's making? Uh Uh-oh, this guy's dangerous. We can't buy him. Oh, my God. If a cop takes money, everybody goes crazy. That cop is dirty. Every politician takes money, and they call it a campaign contribution. Just stop and think about it. Let it sink in. You know, I've come up with an analogy. Here we go again. Two wealthy individuals live in this beautiful town in the mountains, beautiful roads. Each one has a supercar. One guy's got a Lamborghini. The other guy's got a Ferrari, and they like to drive fast. And, you know, that's why you buy a car like that. So one day the guy in the Ferrari goes zipping by this beautiful lake. The speed limit is 40 miles an hour. He's going 70. The cop pulls him over. He said, sir, license and registration. And the driver says to the cop, Listen, I was enjoying myself. There's nobody out here. I wasn't endangering anybody. Can we work this out? The cop says, I don't think so. So being arrogant, being wealthy, usually one and the same, 
The guy whips out a $100 bill, hands it to the cop, and says, will this change your thinking? And the cop says, absolutely. He said, wonderful. He said, not so wonderful. You're under arrest for bribery. And he puts handcuffs on the driver of the Ferrari. The guy with the Lamborghini hears about that story and says, oh, my God, that's terrible. I always go 70 miles an hour on that stretch of road. Imagine that could have been me. So being a smart guy, he says, I know what I'm going to do. The mayor is up for election in six months. I'm going to get a meeting with the mayor. He knows me. I'm one of the wealthiest guys in town. And he sits down with the mayor. He says, Mr. Mayor, I understand you're running for re-election. And the mayor says, absolutely. He said, I bet a campaign contribution would help to make certain that you get re-elected, and I'd love to see you re-elected. And the mayor says, that's wonderful. And the guy with the Lamborghini takes out his checkbook, whips out his pen, hands the mayor a check for $10,000, and he says, oh, by the way, mayor, I have a small favor. And the mayor says, sure, what? What can I do for you? He said, there's this beautiful road next to the lake. I love driving on it. And when I go there, it's, you know, at odd hours, not a lot of traffic. But I, I'm a lead foot. I'll be honest. I'm a lead foot. And I would love for you to raise the speed limit from 40 to 70 so I don't have to worry about being stopped by the police. The mayor says, that's all you want? He says, that's all I want. If you could turn that speed limit from 40 to 70, I'd be happy as a clam. Mayor says, you know what? Why wait for the election? I'll take care of it next week. I'll go to the to the board and we'll get the paperwork done and by God go out there and enjoy your car the way it was meant to be driven. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks they change the speed limit on the roadway. The mayor gets a campaign contribution and everything is legal and hunky dory. The guy that handed the cop the hundred dollar bill is sitting in jail for bribing a police officer. Isn't that how the system works? Think about it. Think about that analogy. Isn't that where we are today? In fact, money is at all of this. I've jokingly said that where we are today, the government needs a new cabinet-level official, the official auctioneer. That's really where we are. Let's be done with it. Let's be honest about it, and let's just get an auctioneer. Uh, I don't know, Barrett Jackson, Meekum, whatever. You know, I'm a car guy. Uh, Those auctioneers are pretty good. You tell me which one you prefer. This is insanity. This is corruption from day one, and it's only getting worse. And so Donald Trump, the guy that doesn't need the money, scares the hell out of everybody in the system. In fact, every time Donald Trump uses the S word, people go crazy. What's the S word? Sovereignty. He used that word frequently at the U.N. I'm sure he sent lots of diplomats running to the bathroom. Sovereignty. Countries have the right to determine who should be let into their countries. It's called sovereignty. They should be able to govern themselves. It's called sovereignty. Wow, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? And so Donald Trump, here we go again, has just been indicted. I'm not going to get too far into the the issue at hand. Uh, I'm not an expert on the matter, and I don't go around pretending to be. I don't play those games. Uh, My parents raised me to believe that if you're not sure about the facts, don't talk about them. But what I will talk about is that it is my understanding that Donald Trump, as president, had the right to declassify documents. Now, as an agent, I had a top-secret clearance. I assure you the documents I dealt with were nowhere nearly 
as sensitive as the documents that the, the cabinet deals with, that the president deals with, and so forth. I had a safe in my office that was only good for secret. If I needed to store top secret documents, I had to go to a different agency who had the proper facilities for storing and reviewing top secret documents. We take that stuff seriously. But the problem is that Donald Trump is not the first person to have these documents. And again, his argument, as I understand it, is that as president, he declassified the documents anyway. I'm not going to get into it. What I am going to get into is there was a pattern of mistreatment by, of Donald Trump and all the people who were coming to work for him as he was putting his administration together, General Flynn, and, and, and the list goes on. It was obvious that there was an effort made to do everything they could to undermine the Trump campaign and then to undermine the Trump administration. Russian collusion and, and all sorts of insanity, two impeachments over a phone call, and the list goes on and on and on. And then you look at the disparate treatment of Joe Biden. You look at Hillary Clinton with her email. In fact, interestingly, just a couple of days ago, Mike Pence was told by the Justice Department that they reviewed the fact that he had, un- he had documents that he wasn't authorized to have uh, and he shouldn't have had them but they were going to take a pass and not take any action. Now, again, the circumstances might be different, but it's very disturbing because you want to believe that anybody who violates the law can expect to be treated the same way as anyone else who violates the law. That's why Lady Justice wears a blindfold. Imagine calling the police. There's a guy in my backyard. I think he's trying to break into my basement. And imagine the police operator saying to you, okay, Charlie, Tell me, are you a registered Democrat or a registered Republican? You'd say, that's crazy. And I would agree with you. You call the fire department, right? There's a fire in my house. I need help. Are you a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent? We have to get that answered before we decide whether or not to send the truck. Someone's sick down the block. Is that person a Democrat or a Republican? Is that the way it's supposed to work? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're supposed to all expect a presumption of regularity, as it's referred to by by attorneys, so that no matter who you are, people in similar circumstances can expect similar protection and similar treatment under the law. Think about that. That does not seem to be what's happening today, whether it's January 6th or the riots at the White House. Uh, Frankly, I don't understand how the riots at the White House were close to, as I read, close to 100 Secret Service officers were injured, doesn't constitute an insurrection. I don't know why that argument isn't being made. Now, what happened January 6th never should have happened. Let me be real clear about it. Anybody who thinks that an act of violence is the way to seek redress of a grievance is dangerous and needs to be stopped. That's not how it works. there's There's a Democrat process that we're supposed to go through. You can petition the government. You can certainly have a peaceful, nonviolent demonstration. And yet the news media would show buildings of blaze all over the country. And, and as the flames are flickering in the background, reporters talking into the microphone, the demonstrations today were mostly peaceful. Meanwhile, buildings are collapsing and people are running for their lives. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? And the American people are being intimidated. They're being deceived. Um, you know, George Orwell had a wonderful quote. Let me, let me come up with some George Orwell quotes 
you'll you'll kind of like that. First of all, let, let's go to this notion about whether or not sex is binary, male or female. Could you have imagined just two or three years ago a woman or a man seeking a position on the Supreme Court, not being able to answer a fundamental question of how do you describe a woman, what makes a person a woman? And she was flabbergasted, couldn't, couldn't come up with an answer. Could you imagine that? Well, George Orwell said that power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Huh. Power in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Doesn't it seem to be what happened here? Doesn't it? You have a person who's now on the Supreme Court who cannot tell you what a woman is? Seriously? Is that the way it works? Is that rational? Is that... How did we suddenly get to that point? Orwell said, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they don't want to hear. Try to tell that to, to the extremists on either side. Don't you tell me that. I don't want to hear that. It doesn't work that way, folks. We deal with the facts. Orwell also said, but if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thoughts. I think he was on to something. And finally... He also said the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. Didn't we see that with the demonstrations, with statues being torn down and on and on and on? The idea to destroy the United States from within. Isn't that what this was about? Right? He also said, Orwell, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Same deal. Go after history. Rewrite history. Rewrite history. And finally, and this really gets to the heart of it, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. George Orwell. So what we now have is weaponized criminal justice in America. Weapon, again, let's look at the definition for a weapon. A thing designed or used for inflicting bodily harm or physical damage a means of gaining an advantage or defending oneself in conflict or contest, right? Weaponized law enforcement. Law enforcement is supposed to be objective. You call the police, you say, I've got a problem, they show up. They don't ask you about your political affiliation, okay? Once you start to treat people differently based on political affiliation or ideology, by the way, you can make a case for persecution, which then triggers the notion of asylum, right, political asylum. Um, then what you're doing is turning defenders, law enforcement, defenders into oppressors. How dare you take that position on a political issue? We will use law enforcement to punish you. That's why I worry about the Internal Revenue Service. In fact, Richard Nixon compiled a list of what he called his political enemies and wanted to, quote, weaponize the Internal Revenue Service so that people who opposed his political um, orientation would have suffered audits and other damage from a weaponized Internal Revenue Service. And the consequence was the IRS was no longer able to share information with other federal law enforcement agencies or any other law enforcement agencies because Richard Nixon wanted to turn it into a weapon. Are we there yet? We saw that with Obama. Didn't we? We saw that with Obama, where suddenly conservative groups were 
told that they couldn't get their paperwork approved so they could create organizations and so forth. It was weaponized. They took Nixon's idea and, and, and ran with it. And Lois Lerner pleaded the fifth. And I can tell you, when I was hired by the old INS, I remember sitting at the Border Patrol Academy, which is where we were all trained back then. This was the early 70s. And they told us, if you are ever under oath and being questioned about official actions you've taken and you plead the fifth, that's your right. We're not going to take the Constitution from you. You can plead the fifth. But if you plead the fifth, take out your badge, take out your credentials, take a good hard look at them because they're going away. Understand that you cannot take the fifth. You cannot hide behind the Fifth Amendment and keep your job. Lois Lerner did it at a congressional hearing, didn't lose her job and did not lose her pension. That is not uniform treatment. Lady Justice was peaking. And then a couple of years ago, and words really matter to me, you know, uh, back when I was an agent, my buddies used to call me the wordsmith. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. Uh, I jokingly call it my BA and BS. But words really matter. Words really matter. That's why we saw with Jimmy Carter the nonsense of no longer referring to aliens as aliens, but immigrants, even though the term alien is clear, concise, and there's nothing pejorative about it. The term alien, by law, simply means any person who is not a citizen or national of the United States. Where's the insult? The problem with the word alien is it provides clarity. And if you're a con artist, if you're a swindler, the last thing you want is clarity. You want to obfuscate the truth by language, you see, right out of the pages of George Orwell. So we started with this nonsense. We're not going to use the word alien. We're going to call them Immigrants, I remember being on a uh, debate on, I think, MSNBC. I'm, I'm not sure uh, who was my opponent. It might have been a, a woman who I see frequently now on, on some of the networks. But I, I was doing tons of TV after 9-11. And then when Citizens United kicked in, it not only impacted congressional hearings, it impacted businesses and everything else because the people with the deep pockets were getting the best government money could buy, and that also meant that it changed the corporate world, it changed journalism, they were buying up sources of news, and then you have this whole business now with social media. This is all about thought control, right? Thought control, Orwellian newspeak. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that momentarily. But I remember this woman saying to me, you can't call them illegal, Mr. Cutler, they're undocumented, referring to illegal aliens. And I decided I'd have a little bit of fun. And I said, gee whiz, I'm amazed that you're willing to refer to people in our country as undocumented at a time that we're concerned about the threat of terrorism. Undocumented means they have no means of reliable identification to prove who they are. You cannot tell a good guy from a bad guy without a scorecard. So you're conceding that these people have no scorecard? You're conceding that they may well pose a threat to national security and public safety? And she freaked out, didn't know what to say, and she started stammering and hammering and, oh, my God, and, well, within two days, the Bush administration, George W. Bush, and the American Civil Liberties Union, marching lockstep, shoulder to shoulder, came out with a new word. They didn't use undocumented anymore. They came up with the word unauthorized. Unauthorized. Because they realized that what I said made sense to the vast number of people who were watching. Undocumented means, who are they? We don't know. So they're unauthorized. 
They didn't ask Simon, may I, may I? Simon says, and, and then it would have been fine. They didn't do that, so they were unauthorized immigrants, you see? Language. A couple of years ago, the word disrupt came into vogue. Disrupt. And, and if you look at the definition, the very bottom, they have a new definition. It's uh, of a company or form of technology causing radical change in an industry. Okay. It never used to mean that. Disrupt used to mean interrupt an event, activity, or process by causing a disturbance or a problem, right? Drastically alter or destroy the structure, right? That's what disrupt used to mean, disruptive, right? So they changed it to say, oh, companies could be disruptive if they have a brand new process. We, we used to call that revolutionary. We used to call it a game changer. We used to call it a quantum leap forward, right? But no, they wanted to prime the pump to get people used to the notion that disruptions are good. So how good were the disruptions last year when parents couldn't get formulas for their infants because the supply chain was disrupted, right? Or the electric grid was disrupted or the ability to conduct business was disrupted by COVID. So they were priming the pump and preparing us, I believe, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this didn't happen overnight. You could see the slide that, that brought us to, the, to this cesspool. This isn't a swamp. Swamp is a normal part of the environment. Critters live in swamps. If you get rid of the swamp, you get rid of the environment. No, this is a cesspool. Cesspools are artificial, and there's absolutely nothing good to be found in a cesspool. And the stench, well, we're not even going to go there. This is a cesspool. So we were being prepped to accept the notion that disruptions are a positive thing. This is a psychological warfare game being played. Remember, language corrupting thought. Isn't that what this is an example of? You see, if Donald Trump had never before had the kind of craziness thrown at him, I would have said, well, you know what? Maybe he really stepped over some line that I'm not aware of. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on presidential authority and documents and how the archives work. Not my area of expertise. Two impeachments, Russian collusion, slow walking Hunter Biden's laptop for how long? Then there's a document that Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, did not want to share with Congress, even though it is not classified because it alleges that Biden got millions or his family got millions of dollars from foreign sources. So when you see that kind of a pattern and you realize the animosity that people have held for Trump and the fear that he invokes, both parties, both parties, let's be clear, the Republicans, they both want open borders. That's the reason that you have Republicans saying, watch the southern border. That's the Calais deception. I mean, it's not a deception. It's a real problem. Hezbollah is operating throughout Latin America, moving drugs and people into the United States in record quantities. Very serious problem. But why don't they want you to look at the Canadian border? Lots of stuff happening there. Why aren't we looking at how people are coming in through international airports? Do you know that every year tens of millions of aliens enter the United States International airports, the 9-11 Commission said that most terrorists entered through international airports. And I want you to think about that. 
Let's say you are a terrorist and you're coming to the United States to do damage. You're here to kill people. You're here to blow up schools. Maybe that's what this guy was going to do, the guy that only got 12 years in jail. Do you know that visa fraud in conjunction with terrorism carries a maximum of 25 years in jail? And I forget how many counts in the indictment, but there was a lot of counts in the indictment. And he was a terrorist. He went overseas to try to carry out a hit on what they believe was an Israeli spy. He was here scoping out locations for terror attacks to kill Americans. This wasn't the guy who was cheating on his taxes, okay? This isn't the guy who was holding barbecues and polluting the atmosphere. This is a guy who was here for 20 years as a sleeper agent, scoping out locations throughout New York and elsewhere to kill Americans. They could have put him away forever. I mean, there were so many counts of so many crimes, 12 years in jail, 12 years in jail. You've got to wonder what in the world is going on. Now, by the way, when I first saw that, I didn't want to speculate it on the program. I, I took a quick glance at it. Shame on me. I should have done my homework. And I thought, well, maybe the guy's cooperating. So that's the reason they, they gave him a light sentence. And I didn't want to speculate on that publicly because if he's a cooperator, we don't need people out there realizing, well, the guy's a cooperator. Guess what? The guy was not found guilty by plea bargain. That's how it usually works. I know I was an agent. I was involved with terrorism and drug investigations. Somebody cooperates. They plead guilty. There's no trial. He pleaded guilty. And then you give him a reduced sentence. You go to the judge and you say, Your Honor, the guy's cooperating. And then the judge asks about the level of cooperation and, you know, and, and, and you work it all out. That works, okay? You go to the U.S. attorney and it's all negotiated. This guy went to trial. He didn't plead guilty. So after a trial by jury and he's found guilty, he gets 12 years in jail. An international terrorist who was here to help facilitate the murder of God knows how many Americans. Thankfully, it never happened. But that was the reason he was here. And he even engaged in a marriage fraud with another person, a woman, and you got to wonder what her involvement was with Hezbollah potentially also. So this guy wasn't just sitting there watching television. This guy was active. He was making trips overseas, having clandestine meetings, and he gets 12 years in jail. As an American, as a former agent, it takes my breath away. But maybe that's me. Maybe I'm just being picky. Okay? But we want to believe that the government of the United States and the government of New York City, and the government of New York State, and the government of New Jersey, and California, and all these officials that were elected to represent us are representing our best interests. Wrong. Sorry to tell you. Sorry to tell you. So let's move along. Firearms is a big topic. Second Amendment. And by the way, my friends have always been screaming about Second Amendment, the conservative side especially, but some Democrats also. We understand the need for self-defense and to defend against tyranny as well. But firearms is a big issue. And what are we hearing? We need gun control. And I've mentioned it before. No one talks about car control. And nearly as many people die because of car crashes as die because of firearm instances. And cars, by the way, are essential Right? They're used for transportation and commerce and so forth. But we also are seeing motor vehicles being used around the world as weapons. Right, We have people killed on the West Side Highway 
just a couple blocks away from the new World Trade Center, which used to be ground zero, uh, by an individual who was given asylum in the United States. And then he, he mowed down uh, eight bicyclists, I believe they were from Argentina just a few years ago, intentionally using the truck as a weapon. And we've seen it in other instances, motor vehicles being used as weapons. We saw it happen in France. We saw it happen in Germany. Car bombs, right? There's barriers up against car bombs. Go back in history. The, the beginnings of NASCAR, those of you who are into motorsports, NASCAR, right, uh, started out with moonshiners trying to outrun revenue agents. So they made their cars faster and faster and faster to try to escape the revenue officers. When you think about bank robbers, you also think about a getaway car. And I'm just mentioning this because motor vehicles can be linked to criminal activity. That's not the primary use for motor vehicles, just as firearms is not the primary primary deal is for crime. It's mostly weapons either for sport or for self-defense. But you wouldn't know it listening to the reports. But have you ever heard anybody talk about um, bar control? No. Go after the drunk driver. Go after the speeder. Go after the reckless driver. In fact, what's really interesting, there's a major crash. just happened in Brooklyn a couple days ago. And the first thing that you see in the article was whether or not the driver was drunk or acting under the influence of drugs. And that's fair. Drunk driving is dangerous. And the, the amazing work that Mothers Against Drunk Drivers did, very important. Because I remember as a kid, it was a big joke. Drunk driving was treated as a joke. I remember the morning after my first solo flight in an airplane, everyone told me flying was dangerous. I was waiting at a red light, and a drunk driver plowed into my car. I'd gone out on a date that night. I was coming home about 1 o'clock in the morning, sitting across the road from a drive-in theater, and a drunk driver plowed into the back of my car, threw my car about 100 feet. I, I thought I was dead. I broke the headrest with my uh, head. Um, my car buckled like an accordion. His car was all screwed up. He had a big old mercury, I believe. And I walked over to his car, and I looked at the speedometer, and the speedometer was stuck at 70 miles an hour. I couldn't get a cop to stop. I said to the cops, this guy's drunk. They said, what are you going to do? It was outrageous. The guy damn near killed me, waiting at a red light, minding my own business. And now the attitude is different. Drunk driving, we're going after it. They lowered the permissible blood alcohol level. I agree with it. No problem. But now we're hearing how people that are using guns are probably people who suffer mental illness. Okay, that's fair. But have you ever seen a report on a mass shooting or any shooting where the first item on the article is whether or not the person that fired the shot was drunk or acting under the influence of drugs. Now, sometimes that will be in the report, but not routinely the way it is with motor vehicles. Now, why is that? And now in places like New York, they're actually putting up, you're not going to believe it, folks. Uh, you know, my dad used to say to me that nothing is so good it couldn't be made better or be so bad it couldn't get worse. So New York used to put up signs telling people how to use illegal drugs safely. Use illegal drugs safely? Really? They're deadly. They're illegal. Crack, ECP, whatever. Knock yourself out. This is how to do it. And do it with a friend so you're not by yourself. Well, now they have vending machines in New York, I kid you not, that for free dispenses Narcan and crack pipes and other paraphernalia. Can't even arrest somebody today for having drug paraphernalia because maybe he got it out of a vending machine or she got it out of a vending machine. 
We are doing everything possible to convince people that drug use is normal, acceptable, wonderful, have a nice time. I remember I was bitten by a dog when we were executing some warrants many years ago. So they took me to the emergency room. I was bleeding from my rear end, uh, kind of embarrassing. And while I was waiting to be seen by the doctor, a nurse came over to me and said to me, do you use any recreational drugs? And I remember thinking, recreational drugs? This was like in the late 70s. Recreation? Playing chess is recreation. Fishing is recreation. Skiing is recreation. Playing handball is recreation. You're telling me using drugs is recreational? Seriously? Wow. It blew my mind. So now let me read to you the headline. This was an AOL news report that had been initially published by NBC News, and this is May the 26th, 2023, just a couple days ago. Ready for this one, folks? Marijuana use linked to depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia in young men evidence finds. And it goes on and says over the last decade of diagnosing countless young patients with new psychotic disorders, one striking result has struck out for the New York City psychiatrist, Dr. Ryan Sultan. Quote, of all the people I've diagnosed with a psychotic disorder, he said, I can't think of a single one who wasn't also positive to cannabis. Just let it sink in. We're legalizing marijuana across the United States. We're being told we need gun control because crazy people are shooting people. And here you have a psychiatrist in this NBC report saying that young people using these drugs are very likely to wind up psychotic. And instead of saying we've got to cut down on the use of drugs because look what it's doing to society, look what it's doing to their lives, look how it's increasing the likelihood of violence, we're giving out crack pipes. I want somebody to please explain to me how this makes a lick of sense. I've lost friends in law enforcement who were doing narcotics investigations and they died enforcing drug laws to try to keep our streets safe and protect the future of our children and the future of our country. NBC News reporting marijuana use linked to depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia in young men, growing evidence finds. And instead of saying, maybe this is why we have record numbers of shootings and other crazy violent crimes, people being thrown downstairs, people being thrown onto the subway tracks like we've never seen before. Homelessness, well, that's a problem of mental illness, okay? So you've got record numbers of homelessness, record numbers of people being shot, 100 people killed last week in Washington, D.C. by gunfire. How many of the people pulling the trigger had drugs flowing through their veins? JFK Jr., I'm sorry, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running for president, said that he believed that pharmaceuticals have a role in, in the shooters. Probably right. Why is he ignoring the illegal drugs, too? Or the, quote, recreational drugs. So where is it that you could point a finger and say this is how the government, our leaders, are acting in the best long-term interest of our nation and the citizens of our country? I want someone to explain it. You see, when you treat people disparately, 
I'll say it again. I want you to let this sink in. When you use law enforcement disparately, you turn defenders and protectors into oppressors. If you know you could get away with murder, literally, and some other guy has to worry that he's got a knife in his pocket to defend himself, and that guy's going to go to jail, but the murderer that he's defending himself against won't, then we've got a problem. We had a Marine who was trying to protect people on a subway car. It turned out terribly. It's unfortunate whenever somebody dies. You know, I used to say a little prayer every morning when I went on duty. Dear God, and I'm not a religious man, but I used to say, Dear God, please uh, make it so that I don't need my firearm today. And thankfully, I got through an entire career, never had to shoot anybody. Came close a couple times. Wasn't a good feeling. And I was thankful to reholster my firearm without pulling the trigger, and everybody literally lived. Nobody wants to hurt people. But you have a crazy man on a train with a rap sheet a mile long threatening to kill people. The Marine subdues him, and in the process, the guy dies, and now he's on trial. Really? And if he hadn't intervened and he killed some people, then what? Oh, that doesn't much matter. It's a matter of who he killed. See? The people that he might have killed were inconsequential. The criminal, he's important. The victims, oh collateral damage. We lose 100,000 plus people to fentanyl overdoses every year. That doesn't include the people that might be psychotic and getting involved in violent crime and stabbing and punching and, and shooting people. So God knows what the real fatality rate is because of drugs, directly or indirectly. And we're doing everything as a country to encourage more drug use and doing very little to impede the flow of narcotics into our country. What are we doing? Why are there no commercials on TV the way they did with cigarette smoke, warning people that if you smoke cigarettes, you can wind up with lung cancer and die? Very effective commercials. Almost nobody smokes now. When I was a kid, everybody smoked. My parents smoked. I didn't. Well, I did smoke a pipe for a couple of years until one of the guys I worked with who also smoked a pipe wound up with mouth cancer, and they had to start hacking away his jaw until he finally died, and that's when I said I'm getting rid of my pipe. But smoking, I think 90% of the adults I knew smoke. Now, maybe 1% or 2%. Why? The commercials. Why are there no commercials warning about drugs? Why are we being told we need gun control, but we don't need car control? Why are we being told that mental illness is the reason for lots of the shootings, and we know that mental illness can be caused or exacerbated by drugs, and yet our supposed leaders are doing everything in their power? to encourage people, to facilitate people in using drugs that may well kill them and may well cause them to become psychotic and commit violent crime. It almost feels like a setup. I don't know any other way of saying it or any other way of seeing it. We need to get rid of the politicians that are not looking out for the average American. Stop the nonsense about which party these people belong to. Most of the time, I look at these guys arguing from one party or the other, and it reminds me of watching wrestling when I was a kid, tag team wrestling. You thought they were killing each other in the ring, and afterwards I'm sure they went out and had dinner and had a good laugh over it all. That's what our political system has become in this country today. We've never been more divided. The future for our children grows dimmer by the day. Our borders are wide open, permitting people into the country who may well mean to do us harm. And I'm going to leave you with a question, and I'll give you kind of an answer, but I want you to contemplate this until 
Uh, we meet again next Friday, hopefully. Why does an alien enter the United States illegally? Simple question. You know, we heard Kamala Harris talk about um, root cause. Why does an alien enter illegally? They enter illegally because they can't enter legally. And why is that? We'll go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and it categorizes all the people who are to be kept out. Criminals, terrorists, aliens with dangerous diseases, people with mental illness, spies, human rights violators, human traffickers. Yeah, some are coming to work, but many of those who come here come here because they're either criminals or they're fugitives or they're bad guys, and they don't want to create a record of entry so that our authorities don't even know that they're here. Is that the way you safeguard a nation or safeguard your own citizens? And by the way, I started to mention the airports. In the, in the couple seconds I have, People coming in with these caravans are being exposed to dangerous individuals with dangerous communicable diseases. If you have the ability to get a passport and a fake name, you can get on an airplane, enjoy a movie, maybe sip a glass of wine on the way over, land at an international airport, stroll through the terminal, hop into a car, and disappear in the night. Why is nobody from either party or no journalists talking about the supposed legal system by which aliens are admitted into the United States, just like the sleeper agent who was just given 12 years in jail because that's how he entered the United States legally, although they didn't get into the particulars as to what kind of a visa he had, only the fact that he had a Lebanese passport, and God only knows if he's even Lebanese. That entire system lacks integrity, and yet it's that screwed-up system that the politicians from both parties and the journalists keep telling us that we should be using to legalize unknown tens of millions of illegal aliens. If you believe that that's the solution to massive illegal immigration, then you would probably be dopey enough to believe that death cures cancer. This is outrageous, and we need to get the politicians to understand that we're not the blithering idiots they've been playing us for for far too long. The politicians need to hear from us. Silence is not golden, and I remember my mom saying that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We need to be out there squeaking mightily. We need to meet with our neighbors, get away from this notion about left versus right. Uh, I don't know of too many issues that are left-right issues. Certainly, immigration should not be a left-right issue. It is entirely a right-wrong issue, a right-wrong issue. Please share the link to my podcast with as many of your friends as you can. Let's have those conversations, and let's celebrate the First Amendment. Let's make certain that we get our voices heard and we stop the lunacy before it's too late. I thank you so much for joining me this weekend. Um, I hope all is well in your world. Um, Stay well. Stay safe. I know we've got the crazy smoke that we're I guess unwittingly or un, uh, uncontrollably importing from Canada, hopefully that uh, smog or wherever it is will bypass wherever it is you are. We suffered with it here in New York. Not fun. Hopefully that uh, that will go away. But again, folks, have a great weekend. And please remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week. So long for now.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.